0: Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 26.
1: Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success.
0: And now, your host, John Duma. Fellow entrepreneurs, my driving passion at Entrepreneur on Fire is to share the incredible journey of inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. We are here to support your journey, so go to eofire.com and join the Fire Nation email community. I have some great gifts that you will find incredibly helpful, and we are always creating more for our valued Fire Nation subscribers. And now, give it up for our five-star reviews. Lounging with Lana Lee, David Risley, Andy Lehman, Rob M. from PB, Michelle Jones. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and I look forward to thanking everyone who does the same. Okay, let's get started. I am simply ecstatic to introduce my guest today, Michael Hyatt. Michael, are you prepared to ignite? I'm not only prepared, I am on fire right this very minute. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Michael is the author of Platform, Get Noticed in a Noisy World. It is a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestseller. His personal blog is focused on intentional leadership with a mission to help you live with more passion, work with greater focus, and lead with extraordinary influence. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Michael. Why don't you take it from here and tell us who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, I spent my in- entire career in the publishing industry and uh, everything from being an editor to being a marketing director to being in sales and most recently for six years as the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers, which is the seventh largest publishing company in the world. And That was awesome, a great experience, but now I'm a, a solopreneur, so I'm, I'm doing what a lot of guys are doing and uh, you know, trying to carve out my niche and, and make my uh, business work.
0: Well, you've definitely carved out a niche, and I'm glad you've joined us in the solopreneur ranks. It's a great place to be. You're a great compadre in arms, and I'm speaking from experience being a captain in the army, so thank you for that. Thank you. So, listen, we're gonna transition now to our first topic, which is our success quote. Cause at Entrepreneur on Fire, we like to get the motivational ball rolling with a little success quote to get Fire Nation pumped up for the amazing content that you're gonna share with us. So, Michael, what do you have for us today?
1: All right, so this is a quote from a guy named Dawson Trotman. I read this when I was in college, and it's probably shaped my career more than any other single uh, quote or concept. And here's what he said Never do anything that someone else can or will do when there is so much of importance to be done, which others cannot or will not do.
0: Wow. That's a quote that has a lot of different ramifications. And at Entrepreneur on Fire, we really like to take it down to the ground level. Can you give us an example of how you've actually used this quote in your life?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest transitions for me moving from the corporate world, where I had hot and cold running assistants and you know, people doing everything from you know booking my travel to you know, handling my email to, I mean, everything, literally uh, there wasn't anything that somebody else didn't handle. And now all of a sudden, uh, about 18 months ago, I'm suddenly a, a solopreneur My choice. I decided that I wanted to do what I'd always dreamed of, which was to speak and to write full time. But I was suddenly overwhelmed with all there was to do. And I didn't really have a team at that point. I do now, thankfully, but I didn't at that point. And I began to focus back on this quote and say, look, there's only certain things where I add value. I mean, yeah. You know, as, as much as it sometimes pains me to admit it, I'm not good at everything. In fact, I'm only good at a few things. Mm-hmm. And the more I can focus on those few things that I'm really terrific at, the more value that I'm going to add. So, you know, I kind of went back and looked at the Strengths Finder test again. And in fact, I bought the full panel of uh, 34 test results to find out what I really was bad at. And I said, okay, I have got to offload all this stuff that I'm, that I'm not so great at so that I can continue to focus on those few things that I do well, because that's gonna add the most value to me, to my family, and to the people that are around me.
0: No, I love that word, focus, Michael, and I've actually have taped above my desk the acronym for focus, which is follow one course until success.
1: That is fabulous. I'm gonna steal that, totally.
0: Please steal that. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're always passionate people, and we like to chase that bright and shiny object wherever it may take us, and sometimes we just really need to realize, what we're really passionate about, what we're really adding value to and just go with that. We need to focus on whatever our passions are. For me it's entrepreneur on fire. I am passionate about this podcast. 5 days a week, it consumes all of me, all of my time and that's where my focus is.
1: Well, that's I think that's exactly what it takes. You know, it it takes getting really focused and I'm I'm the same way. I'm I'm going I'm in the midst of a big product launch and for the last 3 weeks it hasn't been my exclusive focus because there's other things I have to do. I've got speaking engagements and so forth. But I mean, every uh, moment that's not consumed with another commitment, that's what I'm focused on. And I find that that I've got to get in kind of the headspace where I'm really creative, and and it's it's hard to leave that space and be productive. So I try to stay in it as long as I can.
0: I love that, and I look forward to delving into that product launch you have coming up later on this interview. It's going to be really exciting. So listen, Michael, let's transition now to the next topic, and that's failure. As an entrepreneur, our journey is consumed with failures, or if we don't want to define it with that word failure, challenges or obstacles that we need to overcome. It's what defines us as an entrepreneur, how we react to these challenges, to these obstacles, to these failures. Can you take us back to a point in your journey where you encountered a situation along these lines and how you reacted to that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, founded a publishing company in 1986 with a a business partner. And we had this dream, this aspiration to create a, a publishing company that produced books that really mattered. I mean, no fluff, you know, just really solid books that would make a difference. And the company really took off and it grew like crazy. And we got kind of full of ourselves and thought we had the formula figured out. The problem was, is that we were growing so fast, and this is kind of the nature of book publishing, at least in the old world, it consumes a tremendous amount of cash. So we were investing in accounts receivable, in inventory, in advances to authors, and pretty soon we found ourselves successful but broke, which is a funny combination, but we were just out of cash. And uh, we ended up going broke. We didn't go bankrupt because all of our assets were pledged, and as it turns out, you know, we were so broke that we couldn't go bankrupt, which is an interesting conundrum too. <laughs> but I remember sitting on the, the floor of my partner's um, office and all of our office furniture had been repossessed. We had nothing. It was just us and a landline phone that was sitting between us. You know, remember back in those days before cell phones? Oh, yeah. And we were just sitting there going, how could we have screwed this up so badly? And I want to tell you, that was really the beginning of my education. It was one of the absolute best things that could have happened. I mean, I wouldn't for anything want to go back and relive it, but I also wouldn't trade uh, the wisdom and the experience and what I learned as an entrepreneur for anything. And I think you have to go through those tough experiences sometimes to figure it out. You can't get it out of a book. You've just got to, I like what my friend John Maxwell says, fail forward. And as long as you're willing to do that and get get yourself up and dust yourself off and and keep moving, you know, you can succeed. Um, And failure is just part of the success journey.
0: It is. And a past guest that we've had on the show, Corbett Barr of Think Traffic, used a quote that I've always gone back to because I love it. And it's our job to fail every day. He really believes that. I believe that in so many ways, because if you're not failing at some level, every single day, you're not really pushing the envelope. You're not really Learning from the mistakes that you should be making, and especially in this day and age where things are moving so fast.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. In fact, the, w- the way I say it, which is just a little bit of a variation on that, is that if you're not failing regularly, you're not trying hard enough.
0: I love that. And Michael, again, Entrepreneur on Fire, it's about your journey. So can you take us back down to that ground level and share with Fire Nation, share with our listeners, an actual example or a lesson that you learned from that failure?
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the lessons that I learned out of that failure was uh, don't build a business on other people's money. Um, that was huge for me. Now, look, I know there are guys out there that, you know, they have businesses that it requires them to, to borrow money, or at least they think they do. And um, I would advise people to read Dave Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership, where he talks about that. But regardless, you know, people think they've got to have other people's money, they've got to have a lot of uh, capital. Well, you know, in this go around, on my entrepreneurial journey, I said, I want to build a business that produces steady, predictable income month after month, recurring income. And I don't want to have to invest much capital. And I definitely, I don't want partners. I don't want investors. I don't want the bank involved. I want a business that I bootstrap and fund myself so that I'm in control of it. And you know, you have to understand that this comes out of a context where, not only did I go through that business failure I I talked about, but in the corporate publishing world where I was the most recently active, you know, I had first, uh, Thomas Nelson was a public company traded on the New York stock exchange. So I had public and institutional investors that were constantly calling and wanting to report on this and sometimes great questions and sometimes, you know, nothing but busy work and knuckleheaded kind of stuff that I had to deal with that kept me from focusing on the business. And then we took the business private which I thought would be awesome. But as it turns out, we had a private equity board and they were very similar, except that now there were just fewer of them, uh, but they were more intense. So they also um, ask a lot of uh, tough questions, which I don't mind, I think that's, that's great. But it was, it was not building the business kind of stuff. It was trying to explain it to people that have got two hours for this meeting blocked out and don't really understand the business, will never understand the business. You know, they just have to report to somebody and have got to have an intelligent answer. So again, I I think the thing I've learned is build it with your own bucks.
0: Um, This is just one of the many reasons I was so excited to have you on the show, because this is exactly the same principles that I'm going forward with with Entrepreneur on Fire. And I love to hear your story and your mentality and how you think about this, because it's just really motivating for somebody like me and to our listeners out there who are also thinking about taking this leap and are wondering what is the best route to take? And I really have always encouraged the bootstrap method. And it's just great to hear that you do as well.
1: Well, John, if I could just say one other thing too, I, I think if you, if you have an idea, a business idea, and it's going to require people's, other people's capital or it's going to require investors or a, a bank loan, then I would just challenge you to think uh, more creatively about it. There's a way to do it without doing that. And f- at least for me, this is just my rule, that until I get to that point that it doesn't require outside money, then I haven't thought long and hard enough about it. There's too many other good ideas that I can pursue without doing that.
0: I love that. And we're going to use that to transition to the next topic, which is on the other end of the spectrum, and it's that aha moment. Now, Michael, you're an inspirational guy. I know that you have these little aha moments every single day, probably every single hour, that's just inspiring you, that's moving you forward, that's really improving your business. But can you just take us back through your journey to a moment where you just really had this light bulb just go off. You had this light bulb turn on, the clouds parted, the sun shone through the clouds. Can you take us to that point? Yeah, I, I had a moment, uh, I've
1: had a lot of moments like that in my career, but um, one of them that I had probably about eight years ago is um, I, at the time I was the president and the COO of Thomas Nelson, and we were going through, this was before the Great Recession, but we'd had a really uh, tough month. And so I had to report to the CEO and to the board of why we missed, uh, our month. And I remember a consultant that I had hired who was absolutely terrific, uh, terrific. She taught me how my thinking is related to my actions and how my, how I think about the business is more important even than what I do in the business. And she was all for execution, but she, you know, just believed that it started with your brain. But, but she said to me, and this was the powerful question, she said, what was it about your leadership? that produced this outcome. I mean, it, it was not one of those times where the, the clouds parted and it was sunshine. It was one of those times that first got really dark and it rained really hard and I, and I was real defensive and I said, well, this was beyond my control. And she said, well, okay, if you take that position, there's nothing you can do about it and you're doomed to repeating it. But she said, just hang with me for a moment. If it really is about your leadership, if the outcomes you experienced this last month in your business are a direct result of the leadership that you offered to your team and to your company, then that's a hundred percent within your control to fix. And it was huge for me because I realized there were things that I could have done differently. There were phone calls that I could have made. There were meetings that I could have had. There were um, uh, products that we could have created or promotions that we could have created. There were thousands of things that we could have done differently to change the outcome if I had stepped up and provided the leadership that was required. And so from that moment on, that's just, that's how I look at life. If I don't like what I'm experiencing right now, if I don't like my life, there's only one guy to blame. All I got to do is look in the mirror and say, buddy, it's your responsibility. Change your thinking change your life, it begins with you.
0: Mm, I love that. And again, Entrepreneur on Fire is about the journey and you have such a fascinating journey. Can you take us back to that aha moment and what were some specific actions that you took following that series of moments that really changed your outlook on business?
1: Well, I think it took me a couple of days for that whole concept just to sink into my psyche. In fact, in many ways, I'm still Um, uh, working through that because I have all the same emotions when something bad happens that everybody else does. You know, I try to blame somebody else or, or if I don't do that, then I get into kind of the woe and woe is me kind of syndrome of gosh, maybe I'm just not smart enough or I don't have the right connections or the right personality or something that's out, you know, kind of outside of my control. And so I think for me, as I came out of that, that meeting, the first step was that I said, okay, no more excuses. I've got to own it the outcome begins with me. Now, if I'm talking to somebody else and holding them accountable, you know, I'm not going to take all the responsibility, but in my heart, I know that when there's a bad outcome, there's something in my leadership that I could have uh, done differently. So I I looked back over that month and I realized that, you know what? I was pretty disengaged in the business. You know, I was traveling here and there and I just frankly wasn't uh, tending to the business. And so I resolved to double down on my one-on-one status meetings with my direct reports, not to hound them or micromanage them, but to just provide, I think, the, the kind of necessary accountability in the, in the organization so that people felt like we were all uh, rowing towards the same uh, goal. And I'll tell you another thing that was really important is that I wasn't really crystal clear on what the outcome was that I wanted. Yeah, we had our budget, but I wasn't talking about it as a leader. And this is so crucial as a leader is that you have got to constantly be pointing to the destination because people get lost along the way. They forget either where we're going or why it's important. And I think one of the most important things that any leader, any business leader has to do is to be really focused on the vision and then really on, on the why or the purpose behind it. And that's the thing, the thing that, uh, especially when you're in turbulent times, like we're in today, those are the first casualties vision goes and people don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Life becomes really tactical and they get lost. So for me to go back to that, that time, I accepted responsibility. I got crystal clear on the vision, and then I started meeting with people to make sure that we were executing on that vision. And it was, and it had to be incremental.
0: Thank you for being so specific, Michael. Have you had an "I've made it" moment?
1: I have. I've had. I've had a lot of those moments. Um, y- you know, I've got five daughters, and I've got four of them married off and every time i walk one of them down the aisle i just go wow i'm living the dream so you know i'm just so proud of them and i and i think that increasingly the older i get the more i measure success in terms of what's happened in my own life and what's happened what's happening in the lives of my family because the businesses will come and go i'm not taking the business with me you know ultimately it gets left behind but what i'll have left is the impact i've i've made on people's lives so so that's crucial. And I mean, there's, you know, there have been the business moments, you know, uh, a moment when we, you know, sold the business and my stock options were suddenly worth several million dollars and, you know, that kind of thing. But, but the, all of that to me, you know, and I'm not dismissing it. I, I enjoy that as much as the next guy. But all of that pales in comparison uh, to, to really having meaningful relationships with the people that I love the most. And if I had only the first you know, just uh, just you know, the business success without that, I think it would really be hollow. It wouldn't mean anything to me.
0: That is such a great message because here at Fire Nation, I really always stress the importance of setting goals and having very lofty standards for yourself. But at the same time, once you do reach those goals, you need to take a step back, look back at your accomplishments and really be proud of what you've done. And of course, set that bar higher for the next level. But it's all about the journey, not about the destination. And I love to hear that you're enjoying the journey. You're taking time to appreciate your accomplishments, but at the same time, you're always looking with a smile to the future.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, I think increasingly, I'm, I'm trying to create a business that serves my life. You know, I don't want to be a slave to my business. And, and this is where, you know, there's been a lot of discussion, and I, I really value this, but on, on sort of lifestyle design. And I even talk about it. I have a... Uh, a free ebook. If you sign up on my email newsletter list called creating your personal life plan. And I talk about fast forwarding to the end of your life and actually visualizing your own funeral, which sounds a little morbid, but visualizing the end of your life and what people are saying about you and then taking a deep breath and saying, you know what? I can create that fantasy. I can create that reality by beginning to change my behavior, engaging in the important conversations and, and really end up at a destination I choose not one that I just sort of drifted to.
0: Absolutely. And let's use that to transition to our next topic now, which is your current business. You have so many exciting things going on. One thing in particular I would just love to hear more about, but I'm going to leave it up to you. What's one thing that's really exciting you about your business today? Well, I
1: think it's the uh, prospect of creating recurring revenue uh, that shows up, and I said this earlier, but shows up you know, day after day, week after week, month after month. So you do the work one time and then you get to benefit for years to come. And, and I kind of got into this, of course, being in the publishing industry, that's exactly what it is. But in terms of applying it to my own life, I created a couple of eBooks probably seven years ago called uh, Writing a Winning Book Proposal. I did a fiction edition and a nonfiction edition and those things, I you know, I sell probably ten of those a day off my website, and it's been and it's been consistent uh, for all those years. So every year I get about the the same uh, sales, and it's tens of thousands of dollars every year. And so I, I I decided when I got into this business and I left Thomas Nelson, I said I don't want to get in a position where I'm trading time for dollars. And a good example of that would be speaking. You know, I love to speak. It it it's a way that I can kind of think through content and create content, but that's not the ultimate end goal. Uh, the goal is to create that content and to package in it in a, in a format that allows me to sell it when I'm sleeping. So yeah, so I'm just trying to steer away from those kinds of trading time for dollars activities like consulting and coaching and speaking to focus on creating intellectual property that I don't have to create inventory uh, for. And I, I said earlier too, I just introduced this brand new product this week called Get Published. And it's basically everything I've learned in over 30 years of the publishing industry about how you as an author can not only get published, but can uh, create a bestseller. And so I just talk about my experience uh, doing that. And it's 21 audio sessions. And you can find out more at michaelhyatt.com forward slash get published. I really believe everybody has a book in them and everybody's an expert in something. And I think it's relevant to almost everybody and especially entrepreneurs.
0: Awesome. Well, we will link all of us up in the show notes. So, Michael, the word entrepreneur is a mystery to most people. But at Entrepreneur on Fire, I like to pull the curtain back and just kind of show that entrepreneurs are really just people as well. Can you share with Fire Nation two tasks that occupy a good portion of your day?
1: This kind of sounds strange maybe, but I would say thinking – is a critical, importance, a critical importance to me in the execution. Now, you have to understand that I'm a content creator. That's my primary responsibility now, whether it's my blog or my podcast or whether it's these courses that I, that I create. So I spend a lot of time thinking, and I usually do that when I'm uh, out running. So it's, for me, a, good, a great way to kill two birds uh, with one stone. Then I would say that another important task for me is writing. And that's how my thinking kind of gets disentangled and I get organized. And this is kind of related to my, my strengths. Um, intellection is one of my strengths, you know, the ability to think through things and make complex things simple. And so that just takes a lot of uh, writing and editing. And it's really something I do every day, especially Monday through uh, Thursday. Those are the days that I've blocked out for uh, thinking and writing. And I think this, that most entrepreneurs don't spend enough time thinking. You know, they're so pulled from activity to to another activity that they don't really spend time thinking about the business and how they can improve the business. They're too busy doing what Michael uh, Gerber talks about in the e Revisited. They're working in the business, not on the business.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of working on your business, you've alluded a couple times to your goal and vision of this recurring income, which is such a great goal to have. Can you talk to us a little bit about your vision for the future of Michael Hyatt? Yeah, I think it's going to be in a
1: couple of different areas. I think I will continue to speak and I will continue to write books. You know, those are the ways that I cast the net broadly and expand my tribe. So those will continue to be a part of it. But I'm about to launch a membership site, which is called Platform University. I'm going to be doing that uh next month in the month of October. Actually, it's November the first. Sorry, Platform University. Then we're launching our own theme based on my book platform, which is called Get Noticed. And this is a WordPress theme specifically designed for speakers, for writers, for content creators, for people selling intellectual property. And it's based on everything that I've been doing on my site for the last uh, two years. So we decided to to kind of roll it up and make it available to other people.
0: Awesome. I'm just excited to hear you moving forward in this venture. At Entrepreneur on Fire, we have Ignite, which is an elite mastermind. So I have the exact same mentality that... There just needs to be a place for people to gather and to really exchange ideas and to exchange resources and information and just really motivate each other. So I'm so excited to hear what you're creating. I know my audience will love it. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So Michael, we're going to now move into my favorite part of the show. We're going to enter the lightning rounds. This is where I provide you with a series of questions and you come back with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan?
1: No pressure, right?
0: <laughs> what was the number one thing holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, fear. I think that fear is that common denominator that all humans experience, but they the, the nature of fear is that we usually think we're alone in it, and so we don't express it, and we don't get the help we need to succeed. So yeah, fear.
0: What is the best business advice you ever received?
1: I think the best business advice that I ever received was to do it now. Um, I'm highly responsive. I don't like to, uh, for things to sit around and, and clutter up my inbox and my to-do list. So yeah, do it now. And I follow David Allen's uh, concept that if you can do it in two minutes or less, do it now, get it off your plate because there's a lot of tasks that you want to do that are going to take longer than two minutes, but you can't have a lot of them.
0: Love it. What is something that's working for you or your business right now?
1: Okay, this is crazy. But the thing that works for me best right now, a thing I've been doing now for three months that's absolutely transformed everything about my business and my life is I spend the first 15 minutes of the day doing nothing. So I literally, um, I'm just in a room by myself. I've got some headphones on. I've got some ocean music playing in the background. And I just try to clear my mind, um, focus on my breathing and do nothing. Um, I think that so often we think that we're human doings instead of human beings and we've got to get the being part of the equation right first. And maybe that sounds metaphysical or you know philosophical and I don't mean it to be. I just know how busy my life is. I am uh, an achievement oriented, activity oriented kind of person. I'm an activator. I've got to be in motion, but the truth is I run out of gas if I don't find time to center myself and really be at peace and kind of connect with those transcendent values that for me make everything else worth worthwhile. So I've been doing that consistently now uh, for uh, ninety days, and it's just it's transformed everything. It's it's now become kind of the foundation of my day.
0: During these fifteen minutes, are you actually thinking about specific things as far as business related, or you're really truly trying to clear your mind?
1: I'm really trying to clear my mind. It, it's like if you took a jar and you filled it up with some water from the lake. And I don't know what kind of lakes you have where you live, but in my kind of lakes here in Tennessee, you know they're There's a lot of dirt and other stuff in them. So if you take a jar of that water, um, it may be really cloudy. But if you just set it down and let it sit there, um, it won't take long for it to clear. All the sediment falls to the bottom and the water gets clear. That's what I'm trying to accomplish in that time of being quiet is just to let my mind clear. Now, from there, you know, this is just me. But from there, then I do pray and I do read the Bible and I do connect with, with the things that matter most. But that's how it starts is with just that pure quiet time.
0: Mm, That was such a good visual and analogy. Thank you for that. And as a side note, we have some amazing lakes in Maine. Thank you.
1: I'll bet. Yeah.
0: So I like to ask this to just a couple of my interviewees, and I feel like you are a very productive guy and efficient. So do you have an internet resource that you are just in love with, like an Evernote that you can recommend to Fire Nation? Well, definitely Evernote.
1: Um, You know, to be honest, I'm kind of in between Uh, task managers right now, and I'm the kind of guy that I'm never satisfied with it. You know, I try this one and that one. Currently, I'm using one called Workflowy. And the thing I like about it is that it works the way I think, which is in lists. And so you're able to create all these lists, and it's all built on HTML5. It's in the cloud, but it's wherever you are. So it's, you know, on your uh, iPhone, your iPad, whatever. But I really like that. So every day for me begins with my today list. So I've got a list mapped out. I actually do this at the end of my quiet time in the morning. But here's the things, the four or five, six things that I've got to accomplish today. And then I just systematically work through that list from the top to the bottom.
0: Love it. Now, we're obviously going to be linking up your books in the show notes. But what is the best business book that you've read in the last six months?
1: Oh, man. You're, that's catching me flat-footed because <laughs> I've read a bunch. Um, I would say probably the best one that I've read, I think it's called The Power of Habit. And it's kind of all the science behind habits. And the the thing that it it did for me, yeah, it's called The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg, D-U-H-I-G-G. But it's a great book that talks about how you can break habits you don't want, but more importantly, how you can create habits you do want. And this was probably the most different stuff I've ever read on this topic. I mean, it wasn't kind of the tried and true stuff that we all assume is right about habits, but this is the hard science of it and talks about why sometimes we can't get traction when we're trying to change. But it was hugely helpful for me.
0: Awesome. So, Michael, this is the last question, and it's my favorite, but it's kind of a tricky one. So take your time, digest it, and then come back with a great answer. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you still had all the experience, knowledge, and money that you currently have right now, so you still have all of that, but your business had completely disappeared, leaving you with a clean slate, which is essentially where a lot of Fire Nation listeners find themselves in right now, what would you do in the next seven days?
1: Well, absolutely. The first thing I would do, no questions asked, is I would start a blog. And the reason I would do that. And maybe you'd expect me to say this, but as I wrote in the book platform, I believe that that is the centerpiece of your home base. And if you're going to get visibility for everything else you want to do, you've got to have a place where people can find you. So in a sense, that's like the yellow pages uh, of yesteryear. But more importantly, today, it's a place where you can begin to build your tribe and begin to engage with your tribe. So I would do that. Now, for me, all my content gets created on the blog first. It's, it's my laboratory. It's where I test concepts. It's where I get feedback from my tribe. And I don't think I could build anything without that. So that would be that would be my first go-to thing. I would start over, start with that, and begin to build it.
0: I love it. And just for Fire Nation to hear, how many subscribers do you currently have right now?
1: Well, I have uh, about, I checked this morning. Um, I do check daily. But I had like 310,000 subscribers. Unique monthly visitors this last month. Uh, my podcast is getting about 119,000 downloads a month, and yeah, and I have like I have 70,000 daily subscribers, more little more than that, but about 70,000 daily subscribers who get my blog posts via email. And so the 310,000 monthly unique visitors are just people hitting the site that aren't necessarily subscribers.
0: That is so exciting, and every time I see entrepreneur on fire anywhere close to your podcast. I get very excited because it's obviously a great place to be in your neighborhood. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> so, Michael, you've given us some great actionable advice, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: All right. So I would say this. You're, you're, th- my parting advice would be, you're not as smart as you think you are, but you've got more potential than you could possibly imagine. So I think as long as you maintain humility, all things are possible and live inspired. And the last, the plug I would leave with you is just uh, check out my website at michaelhyatt.com. Everything else is there.
0: Michael, as I said, thank you for your time. We will link everything up in the show notes. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thanks, John. Great to be with you today.
0: Fire Nation, thank you so much for joining us today. My one call to action for you is to go to eofire.com, join our email list, and receive our ever-growing supply of gifts to include WordPress video tutorials, an entrepreneur quiz with complete diagnosis, and access to our weekly newsletter. Also, for that entrepreneur ready to take it to the next level, visit ignitemastermind.com Join our elite mastermind community and watch your business or business idea explode. Thank you for joining
1: us at entrepreneuronfire.com. Your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.